Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode 107 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks and NBA talk. We will get to the NBA Finals and the NBA Draft on the show this week. We'll touch on the draft, I think, a little bit towards the end of the podcast. Although, again, you guys, year in and year out, what is this, the... I think this is the third draft cycle we've done. Second full, but I think third time we've really gone deep into an NBA draft on this podcast. And I immediately am getting the vibes again that you guys are loving it. I mean, every year, I think it's probably, besides Knicks playoff basketball and free agency, Specifically, when we talk NBA draft on this show, it's one of the most popular topics. You guys seem to love it. I always get feedback from you guys when we do this particular topic. I don't know what it is. The NBA does a great job at making the draft fun most years. Maybe that's the reason. Um, I, I think if I had to make like a Shock Shock Knicks podcast power rankings on topics... It'd be hard not to put the NBA draft at number one. You guys seem to love talking about it. So we'll get to that later on uh, this week on the show. We'll also touch on game four of the NBA finals. Series tied up, two apiece. The Bucs have pulled it back even. We'll talk about games three and four, and we'll touch on what to look forward to in game five in Phoenix with the series very much up for grabs. And we'll see if the Bucs can keep this momentum going or will Phoenix reestablish themselves in this series. But first, we've got some news on the Knicks front. You know, for those that are longtime listeners to the show, when there's big Knicks news, big Knicks offseason storylines and headlines, we prioritize that around here. So we'll start with that this week. No bigger news. Then the report from Shams of The Athletic that the Cleveland Cavaliers are looking to ship Colin Sexton and the biggest name to emerge as a trade partner are the New York Knicks. Very interesting developments here. Obviously, um, we talked about last week with, you know, things going on in the draft, how that may impact uh, things like this. You know, could a big trade happen on draft night? Things of that nature because teams like the Knicks, the Rockets, um, the Pelicans all have a lot of picks 
in this year's draft. Uh, some as high as three or four. If you're talking about New Orleans and Houston, specifically the Knicks also have uh, in that range, I believe, three, four picks. Four picks for the Knicks. Two in the first, two in the second. So it's very interesting to see a name like Colin Sexton pop up. You wouldn't think that Cleveland would be looking to ship him. I think if we were talking maybe two or three weeks ago, he might not be a name that immediately popped up. He's averaging 24 points per game. He's averaging just under four and a half assists per game and just over a steal per game. And he makes about a little over a, a three and a half per game as well. Very interesting that the Knicks are, are, are throwing their hat in the ring here reportedly because the Knicks need two things, right? This offseason, you could argue the two biggest things the Knicks need are a point guard, you know, adding to that. And obviously Colin Sexton is a point guard, but if you want to make the argument that he isn't, because you look at his numbers and they don't necessarily scream point guard in the NBA, the Knicks need a playmaker as well, along with Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett. And you need someone along with an aging Derrick Rose to be that playmaker in the backcourt. So Colin Sexton, almost regardless of how you look at his potential role on the Knicks, makes sense for the Knicks to look at him. Because if you look at the two ways he impacts the game, positionally and then the way he likes to play, both of those things are things the Knicks need. So it's a beautiful thing where like, even if you want to rip that he's not a point guard, well, you know what? He's a playmaker and he's a scorer. And the Knicks could use that as well in the backcourt. Because as great as Reggie Bullock has been shooting threes and, and and as much as I love Derek Rose and what he's done for this franchise in his second stint, you need a younger guy that can be with the team long-term that can check one, if not both, of those boxes. And, and here's the other thing, right? If the Knicks do a trade like this and they bring in a Colin Sexton and, and they say, We're, we think he's a shooting guard. We're going to put him at the two. There's other options for the Knicks in free agency as far as point guards that could come in and and do the job, right? The Knicks have been linked to, linked to Lonzo Ball. Guys like Chris Paul will be available. Mike Connolly, Kyle Lowry, who the Knicks have briefly been in contact about at times over the last year and a half. Spencer Dinwiddie could possibly be available. Dennis Schroeder could possibly be be available. So the Knicks have a lot of options. I feel like that's been the theme of the offseason so far, right? This is what happens when you put together a team that builds with its culture, that puts out good results on the court, that ends a playoff drought, that has an amazing atmosphere at Madison Square Garden for the playoffs. You start to get options, Good options, viable options that you could actually pull off and actually get instead of throwing Hail Marys at Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. This is where things get interesting for the Knicks, right? We talked about, listen, you know, the Knicks could be in on Kawhi Leonard and Damian Lillard, but the backup options, right? Remember when the Knicks missed on KD and Kyrie? Everyone's like, well, where were the where were the backup options, right? Where was you know, obviously, and Julius Randle, by the way, ended up being one of those backup options, and here we are. But now that Tom Thibodeau is in charge and Leon Rose is there, 
I, I think you and Scott Perry still there as well. You look at what is available, the options the Knicks have. The Knicks have a ton of opportunities here, even if they don't get what they want. The plan A doesn't work. The Knicks could still get very good over the offseason. The Knicks could still become very, very intriguing. Get better. Adding in the backcourt. Getting another playmaker. Adding to the point guard position that just really could use a huge boost. You know, adding the Knicks are probably two backcourt pieces away, depending on who they are, right? Of potentially being Eastern Conference legitimate contenders. They're right there. And for where we expected this past season to go, that is an unbelievable jump. It's an unbelievably huge jump. So, again, Tom Thibodeau, coach of the year in the NBA in his first season with the Knicks as the head coach. It's a, it's a beautiful thing to see these kind of storylines pop up. I think Colin Sexton would be a really interesting addition to this Knicks team. Obviously, you know, you wouldn't be breaking the bank with a trade for a Damian Lillard where you're basically giving up your entire future for maybe four to five years of good Damian Lillard play. You continue to kind of build the team naturally. Um, and, and I think Colin Sexton is a guy that really could fit the mold of this Knicks team. I, I think he feels like a, he kind of feels like a Tibbs guy. He kind of feels like a Tibbs player that, that can add something that this team really needs that to take the next step. Obviously, you'd love to have a star, right? You'd love to have a superstar, and I think that that's still very much on the table potentially for the Knicks, depending on what they're willing to part ways with. But I think it also comes down to the fact that, you know, you, that's not a sure thing, right? And, and I think that you need to also build the team organically. And, and I think adding a guy like Colin Sexton is a really interesting move. I, I think if you can keep R.J. Barrett, you keep Julius Randle, along with him, and then you still have potentially some of these other pieces around him, like a Derrick Rose or a Reggie Bullock, and then you add maybe another point guard through free agency. Maybe you, you know, you continue to, obviously you continue to build through the draft. You have Obi Toppin looking to get better next season as well. Emmanuel Quickly, also, who you'd hope to keep. In a potential trade, these are this is where it gets interesting. Now, obviously, what will Cleveland want? That's up in the air. But the Knicks have options here. They 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 could put together a package without really breaking the team up. I feel like to to add a big piece in a Colin Sexton. I think that makes me excited about it more than maybe a Damian Lillard trade where you're really, you're giving everything up. You're giving up the future of the franchise to get him. And you might not have enough around him to, to figure it out potentially. That's the worry, right? If you just have him and Randall, you lo- you're losing either Obi, RJ Quick, or you're losing Quick, RJ R- Robinson. Like there's a lot that goes out the door in, in a potential Damian Lillard trade. And, and I think the Knicks with a Colin Sexton move and then adding a point guard, that's a nice backup option. The team continues to get better. It, it's, it's a viable option, even if the Knicks can entice Kawhi Leonard 
right or or figure out a way to you know keep the future of the franchise going while getting Damian Lillard to to come over in a trade so it's it's tricky but I think it's also great to see that the Knicks have a, have some amazing you could argue backup options which would just make the team they they make the team better they make the team a whole lot better um one of the things to keep in mind here as far as what the Cavs could want um obviously Obi Toppin played at Dayton people in Ohio love Obi Toppin he played on Dayton while they were number one in the country and they were national championship favorites obviously the NCAA tournament the year that Obi Toppin left school was canceled so we did not get to see those amazing Dayton Flyers that were probably the best team in the country that year uh, play in the NCAA tournament where they could have easily made it to a final four who knows maybe won a national championship so and they had you know guys like Jalen Crutcher along for the ride as well that were very good players in college so could Cleveland want him reportedly they were interested in him uh, before taking Isaac Okoro in last year's draft fifth overall uh, remember that was one of the surprising things of the first 10 picks was that the Cavs did not take Obi Toppin and that he was around for the Knicks to take him later on in the draft um, obviously um, the Cavs have another high pick again you know could they you know use that pick and then you know, use that pick and then maybe not feel like they need, you know, a guy like Okoro anymore and then figure out a way to maybe get Obi Toppin in this trade to potentially, you know, add to what they take in the draft and, and maybe revamp what they, you know, get a redo on your last on your last first round pick, your last top lottery pick and add him to what you've got in the lottery this year, which reportedly could be a guy like Evan Mobley or Evan Mobley, I should say. So, there's a lot to think about here. There's a lot to think about as far as what the Cavs would want. Um, obviously, uh, one thing, and this is noted by CBS Sports in their article about this, and it's worth mentioning, Colin Sexton is a CAA client. Leon Rose is a former agent of CAA. Another relationship there where Leon Rose could potentially make some headway or at least impact uh, this potential trade. So just worth keeping in mind. You know, those are just things moving forward that are worth mentioning that you should have your eyes on. Uh, This is a big, another big story to watch for the Knicks during this offseason. And we'll we'll talk Knicks draft when we talk NBA draft later on in the show. And to be fair, you know, as far as Knicks news, this is by far the biggest piece of news this week. But I think it's definitely worth breaking down just because there are some really interesting moves out there. And I think, you know, and, and right, like with, with you know, again, the team could get turned over in some ways, right? You still have to figure out if you want to re-sign Derrick Rose. Nerlens Noel is reportedly being looked at by the Nets and the Mavericks. In free agency, would the Knicks want to bring Nerlens Noel back? I think they would definitely think about that as well, depending on how things turn out during this offseason. I think despite you'd hope Mitchell Robinson being healthy, you you would want that anchor back in Nerland's Noel for whether it's going to be for defensive depth on the roster, which is Tom Thibodeau's calling card, or 
because Mitchell Robinson is not injury prone, but he's been injured quite a little bit. So you, you want to have that back uh, stability that Mitch uh, should say that Nerlens Noel provides. And you got to give Mitchell Robinson that challenge that he needs in his development to get better. You know, if he can overcome a Nerlens Noel and get a, a starting role consistently and stay healthy, that's only going to be better for the Knicks. And you need that competition every day in practice. And I think Nerlens Noel is a big culture guy. I think you definitely could think about holding on to here, depending on what happens, right? If you can trade for Colin Sexton and then get a point guard in free agency, maybe you, you'd, maybe not. But I think you still need it. I think you still, you would want, and you can't always get everything, but I think you'd want to keep a Nerlens Noel around. I think he's a guy that was an unsung hero during this great season that the Knicks had. And, and I think he's a Tibbs guy. A guy you really expect to do the dirty work day in and day out. And I talked about it earlier in the regular season that, you know, when, uh, or I should say, if the Knicks had gone on to do big things, and to be fair, they didn't in the playoffs, but they did by getting a high seed and they had a great finish to the regular season and the atmosphere at the Garden was incredible. Nerlens Noel was going to be part of it, and he was. Nerlens Noel was a massive part of the Knicks' success last season. I think that shouldn't go unnoticed. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Knicks decide to do there as well. I think, in my opinion, and I'm glad I don't run the the front office because there's so many tough decisions that have to be made, but I think that you keep somebody like that. I, I think for the culture and the development of the team and for the development of somebody like Mitchell Robinson and Obi Toppin, I think you you keep a guy like that around. I think he's a guy that makes a lot of sense because the other thing is Taj Gibson is is getting up there, man. I, I think you really need, you know, part of that front court to come back. I, I know Taj Gibson's probably got a little bit, of, you know, more left in the tank, but I think that Nerlens Noel, you know, could be the cornerstone of that back line, that front court for years to come potentially because of that defensive acumen that he brings to the table. I, I think that he, you know, he might not always be a starter on this team, and, and we've seen that even through the amazing year he had last year. But you see it in the finals. Having those kind of pieces are huge. They are instrumental in the growth of a team and the and the pursuit of a championship in the NBA. It's the things we forget about. It's the thing that it's the thing that, you know, the Nets were kind of missing during the end of their run in the postseason. They, they kind of fell flat in the front court a little bit on the defensive end of the floor, and that really hurt them in the Bucks series in the latter stage. Now, could they have overcome that with a healthy Harden and a healthy Kyrie? Probably. I don't know. I don't know. But the Bucks beat them, and I, I think that that had something to do with it. I know injuries have played a role in this postseason, but I think also the fact that you know, the Nets are looking at a Nerlens Noel tells me that they needed something like that in the postseason. That Blake Griffin, as good as he still is at times, not the best on the defensive end of the floor. And I think they knew that going in. You know, DeAndre Jordan has kind of been phased out on this team as well. So I, I think that, you you know, you can keep somebody like that. The Mavericks, by the way, were not bad defensively in the front court, but clearly needed to add, looking to add a little bit more depth there. And Nerland's Noel is a, is a viable option for them, according to reports. 
So it's a very, very interesting thing. And I, and I think that when you look at this potential, you know, move for Colin Sexton, I, depending on what you have to give up as well, I think bringing back a Nerlens Noel would be a really good thing for the Knicks to do. I, I think when you look at, you know, guys you want to bring back in free agency, I think Noel and Rose probably top the list. There's other things that have to be looked at as well, but I, but I think that what those two guys meant, if you can keep them and then make the team better as well, that makes the Knicks a very, very viable Eastern Conference contender for next season. It really does, considering what you were, you're, you're going to be expecting from Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett in year three, Emmanuel Quickly in year two, Obi Toppin in year two. A lot to be excited about, potentially, with what the Knicks could do, what the Knicks could bring back, and what the Knicks could add as well. All right, I'm going to take a break here. When we come back, the Bucks are back in the series, and we'll talk NBA draft. All right, second half of the show. Let's dive into the finals. We'll get to the draft in just a few minutes here. I know you guys want to talk draft, but there's, you know, the season's not over. We still have potentially three games left in the finals. I hope we do. It would be great to see this series go to seven games. We'll get at least six between the Suns and the Bucks. Uh, last time we talked about the finals, we were diving in, uh, getting ready for game two. The Suns would win game two, as I kind of anticipated. What I wasn't so sure about is how the Bucks were, would respond, and they have in really good style here. And they've done that, to be fair to them, for most of the postseason. I, I don't believe... Um, and I have to double check this, but the Bucks have been really tough to beat at home all postseason. They obviously swept the Heat in the first round of the NBA playoffs. They had a really tight seven-game series with the Nets that they ended up winning in Brooklyn in Game 7. And then in the Eastern Conference Finals, the Hawks made it really tough on them, but the Bucks won out. So... And I believe, and I don't have it in front of me, but I can't imagine the Bucks have lost more than one or two games at home all postseason. It's been very tough to beat them there. Um, and the Suns have found that difficult. The Suns, again, Game 3 was, was, a, was a route after Game 2 was kind of a route. The, the Suns won by 10 in Game 2. It could have been worse. Um, game 3, though, the Bucks won by 20, and it could have been worse. They blew the Suns out. Devin Booker barely played. In the fourth quarter, um, Giannis was fantastic. He's been phenomenal all series. And the Bucks are back in this thing after a pretty dramatic win in game four last night. Again, we're recording it, uh, this podcast, on the Thursday after the Wednesday night game. Game five coming up on Saturday. And it's a huge game, obviously, with the Bucks winning 109-103 in game four game that honestly for a little bit in the second half looked like the Suns were not comfortable but in a really good position to go 3-1 up in this series I, I it wasn't a done deal I think the Suns in the fourth at one point maybe it was late in the third I forget had a nine point lead 
and it looked like they were going to go on and win. I think if the Suns had maybe gotten that up to 12 or 14, I think they'd probably win the game. I, I, I don't think the Bucks would have been able to have it in them to come back, but they didn't let it get to double figures. They managed the storm, and Jeff Van Gundy on the ESPN broadcast said it best. They just kept on coming, Milwaukee. They just kept on fighting, and they came back and they won. I, I thought, obviously, Giannis and Chris Middleton were crucial to the win, but True Holiday had some huge defensive moments in the game. I, I thought Pat Connaughton as well had a few huge buckets, including an offensive rebound and stick back in the fourth quarter as well. He also hit a big three to give the Bucks the lead with three minutes to go. Had a little bit of back and forth after that, but... The Bucks ended up making their free throws uh, behind Chris Middleton. I think Chris Middleton at one point had a seven or nine point run in the fourth on his own, scored seven or nine or something like that straight Bucks points to go on a solo run by himself that the Suns could not answer. And that ended up being the difference in the game. And it's a 2-2 series going back to Phoenix for a vital game five with the Bucks having some momentum now. It's going, to be, it's going to come down to now whether they can beat the Suns at home where they've been very difficult to beat this postseason. Now, to be fair to the Bucs, they only need to get one on the road. The problem is, I thinking back, obviously the Suns have beaten the Clippers, the Jazz. Uh, sorry, not the Jazz. Goodness, the Clippers beat the Jazz. The, the Suns have beaten the, the Nuggets, the Clippers, and the Lakers this postseason. Obviously, they swept Denver. I believe the Suns have only lost twice at home all year uh, in the postseason. So uh, the, the Lakers beat them in game two with an injured Chris Paul not available really to play a ton of minutes. And then the Clippers beat them in game five in Phoenix to force a game six in LA, which the Suns won. So this is a huge game. Obviously, I think if Phoenix wins it, I think they'll win the series. I, I think if the Bucks win, I still have some confidence that Phoenix could potentially go to, to Milwaukee and force a Game 7. And then in Game 7, I, I would probably back Phoenix. I think regardless of how we get there, I think I'd back Phoenix in a Game 7 scenario. However, this is a huge game. And, and obviously, if the Suns win it, it's going to put a bunch of pressure on the Bucks at home in a Game 6. But they've, they have... <laughs> been able to stand up to that pressure all postseason long. So if something's got to give, I think Game 5, Phoenix will be favorites. I think Devin Booker's got to have another big night, but also Chris Paul has got to avoid some of those silly turnovers that we saw in Game 4, which I think kind of cost Phoenix in the end, including when it was still a two-point game, uh, I think about a minute to go, Chris Paul slips uh, as he's driving inside of the paint and True Holiday takes it from him on a crucial turnover where it looked like Chris Paul could have set something up or potentially tied the game himself going to the basket. So True Holiday's defensive work in this series has just been fantastic, especially in the last two games. Of course, the Bucks have won both of them. Will that continue? I think it's going to be a very interesting thing to take a look at and keep an eye on as we move on through this series. I think True Holiday could be uh, potentially a an X-factor as this series moves on. I think it's worth keeping an eye on him. However, I, I think you also have to look at what Jay Crowder did in Game 4. Cam Johnson as well. 
If that continues in Phoenix, I don't think Milwaukee wins. I think if Jay Crowder's hitting his shots and Cam Johnson, who was crucial when Devin Booker was in foul trouble and should have fouled out, by the way, there was that really crazy play where Devin Booker shouldn't have tried to give a foul on True Holiday and got away with it. Uh, Should have been a sixth foul. He should have fouled out. They did not call it. Uh, Although, to be fair, there was... Uh, this was not talked about enough, I think, on the broadcast. There were some plays in the third quarter where the Bucks got some huge breaks, including Devin Booker dribbling the ball off of the foot of True Holiday and then the Bucks getting possession, including that play and then also a couple of fouls that just should not have gone against Phoenix that the Bucks got some really fortunate whistles on. So to be fair to, to, I should say, to be fair to Phoenix, there was a couple of plays that really should have gone their way that did not as well. But there was that crucial foul call that went against Milwaukee. I should say non-foul call that, that Milwaukee should have gotten on that Booker play that would have fouled him out, uh, but didn't. Booker didn't make enough plays down the stretch anyway. Maybe a little bit of, uh, of evening things out by the NBA gods and the Bucks even the series. So, Game five, I think, is crucial. I think the Suns need to get off to a fast start. And I think if they play a full 48, if they if they play how we've seen them capable of playing this postseason, specifically at home, well, they've been very good on the road as well. I think the Suns win game five. Um, I do see the Bucks winning game six. And then I think in a seven-game series, I think it goes back to Phoenix for game seven. I think the Suns win it. I think the Suns will lift the Larry O'Brien trophy in the end. It's not as straightforward as I expected. I think Giannis being healthier than we anticipated has made this a huge, uh, a hugely competitive series. And it's great for for guys like us, uh, people like us, I should say, the neutrals out there who are really enjoying this series. If you're not watching it, uh, I think you're nuts. Uh, there's a ton of star power, two great teams that haven't been at this stage in a long, long time as franchises. And one of them is finally going to break through either Phoenix for the first time or Milwaukee for the first time since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's name was Luau Cinder. So there's a lot to, to like here. I'm pulling for Chris Paul and the Bucks. Jesus Christ. Chris Paul and the Suns. Uh, it is kind of one of those things. That, you, know, you're, you almost can't knock whoever wins. You're going to be happy for either one. Maybe that was the, the cause of my slip up there. But I think the Suns, for me, I'd love to see Chris Paul win it. It would be the incredible culmination of a remarkable career. And then maybe come to New York. Who knows? When went with the Knicks? I'm just saying. But but for the time being, uh, I think, you know, this great run the Suns have been on. It would be great to see them lift the trophy. And Monty Williams, who's had a phenomenal uh, season as well as the head coach, the peers head coach, the players and coaches head coach of the year. Um, I, I, it would be a really fun, uh, cool moment for them. And I think the NBA would, would be uh, – I mean, just, you know, the attention that beyond that would be great for the NBA. It would just be a phenomenal thing. So we'll see. We're getting a great series. The Bucks have come back to tie it from two down. And they're showing their, their fight and their tenacity and their bravery that we've seen throughout this entire postseason uh, and the way that they've been so resilient. Now it's the, now it's the time for the Suns to respond like we've seen them respond this postseason. Uh, and we will see how that goes. Obviously, they had a big chance to wrap up the series against the Clippers. They were 3-1 up. Uh, they lost Game 5 at home. They were able to bounce back and win Game 6 in L.A. We'll see if Phoenix can do the same thing at home and then possibly wrap this series up in Milwaukee. Or 
We'll see if the Bucs can keep this momentum going. Or, you know, again, the third option is we see how it all plays out in Phoenix for a Game 7. And I think any one of us watching this as a neutral would sign up for that in a heartbeat. So we'll see how it goes. But for right now, the Bucs are back in the series. It's 2-2 going into Saturday's Game 5. Crucial to hear your guys' thoughts uh, on how this moves forward. It's a crucial game. And I'm really interested to see what you guys think about this as well. So let me know, obviously, at SJ7 on Twitter or postingandtoasting.com in the Shock Shock Knicks podcast post. You can go into the comments below, as always, and let me know what you guys think about the Knicks, the NBA Finals, or the NBA Draft, which is what you guys love to talk about. It seems like we talk about this more than any other topic at this time of the year, or really in general. It seems like anytime there's a whiff of NBA draft talk. You guys want it. So we're bringing it, and we got a few minutes left in the show to talk about the draft as well. Uh, listen, we're two weeks away from the draft now. This is really snuck up on us here. Um, the draft's on the 29th of July, uh, obviously, and this is prime time to talk about it. Um, obviously, it's going to really pick up again when the season ends, and depending on how you know, these next few games in the finals go, it could, it could be center stage for our next show. Obviously we'll talk about the finals. We'll talk about Knicks news, NBA news in general, but we'll definitely be talking even more draft next week because we'll be a week away remarkably from the draft. I'm debating how I'm going to do the draft this year. I I did a, uh, obviously a Twitter reaction to it a year ago that you guys seem to enjoy. Um, I thought about, well, I live reacted to it two years ago um and and that was a lot of fun you guys really enjoyed that as well i did a live reaction to the Knicks draft um and i made that into the podcast for the week this year again i haven't had too much time to think about it but this year the draft does fall on a podcast recording night so i'm debating um because it's on a thursday night doing the live podcast. I think we kind of have to do that, do a live reaction recorded, obviously, but I'll do a live reaction to the picks that the Knicks make. Um, The last time we did it, I think last year's draft, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe was the day uh, before a podcast recording. So we had a ton of time on the Thursday to go uh, all, you know, leaps and bounds over everything basically we covered everything over the draft the day after the draft but this year uh it's a recording the day of the draft so i think we have to do a live reaction to this thing and see how it all unfolds but let me know what you guys think if you want to have that happen again we can make it happen so we'll see what happens with that but anyway let's let's you know final few minutes here of the show let's do a little bit of draft talk to wrap things up obviously the big story last week was the rumors and and reports that Cade Cunningham to the Pistons might not be a done deal, or at least not as done of a deal as you would think. I think many draft experts, I'm putting a little bit of quotes up on that, and mock drafts, almost everybody has Detroit taking Cade Cunningham. However, multiple reports that teams like the Pelicans, teams like the Magic, teams like Golden State, OKC, Houston, you name it, they're interested in potentially trading up to get Cade Cunningham. Cleveland might be interested 
if they're thinking of moving away from Colin Sexton and trading him. There's a lot to look at in those positions. Um, I think we talked about this last week. Houston probably has the best package that they could provide for Detroit. They have a ton of first-round picks. They don't have any in the second round as of now, but they probably have the most enticing package, followed by New Orleans and then probably OKC, uh, who have four and three NBA draft picks this year, respectively, most in the second round, I believe. So they're in the conversation. Obviously, you know, Houston's got that second pick, so you know you don't move too far down. You could still get a little extra on top of that. Cleveland, although they don't have any other picks, I don't think, in this draft besides the third pick, but if they have others in future drafts they're willing to part with, maybe that's an option. Toronto, by the way, who hasn't been rumored to be interested, but not only do they have the fourth pick, they've got a few other picks in this draft that they could look at as well. Uh, more specifically, in the second round. So there's definitely teams in the lottery that could be interested. Orlando's got two top 10 picks as well if they want to go all in. And to be fair to the Magic as well, they have second round picks that they could look at, whether it's for this year, where I think they only have one second round pick, or next year. So there, there's a lot to a lot to look at in that as far as Detroit trading the number one pick. There's a lot of options there. Again, they they might not pull the trigger, but right now that's being discussed. So it, it's something to keep an eye on as we get closer and closer to the draft. As the Knicks are concerned, obviously the Knicks have two late first round picks in 19 and 21. I think here, and I've talked about this, there are a lot of point guard slash shooting guard options here that the Knicks should definitely consider. I think Ayo DeSumo out of Illinois is somebody I would be interested in immediately. Um, other guys that have been in that area, in this backcourt area and in the area of the draft included Chris, excuse me, Chris Duarte out of Oregon. I think you also can look at maybe a Nishon Highland out of VCU um, who could be picked a little bit higher but could be in the range. He's a combo guard. Trey Mann, out of Florida's flown up the draft boards a little bit. Knicks have a pick at 21. That could be an interesting option there as well. Uh, a lot of guys, uh, or I should say a lot of draft people in general, have you know kind of put Joel Ayayi out of Gonzaga in the late first round situation. Also, although I don't know if I love his fit with the Knicks, but also Sharif Cooper, who some have late first, early second. Knicks, by the way, have the 32nd pick, second pick of the second round. Another option at the point guard position that the Knicks could look at. So, and by the way, the Knicks also have the third to last pick in the draft at 58, where there are options there, not only in the backcourt, but also, you know, diamonds in the rough that, that could be there that we've talked about, like a Petty or a Mamukalashvili, somebody like that. That could be there. Marcus Garrett, a combo guard out of Kansas. So, these are all, you know, opportunities for picks. The Knicks obviously could involve some of these in a trade. You never know. But for right now, I, I think you look at where the Knicks are at in the draft. And I, and I think you'd have to think, you would have to think, right, that the Knicks are probably going to get two guards out of those four picks, in my opinion, right? If you get a DeSumo and a Cooper in the first round, 
all right, we're good on guards, right? And then we might, you know, sign one in free agency or trade for Colin Sexton, you know, that that kind of a thing. We're good. Then the back, I should say the front court, then comes into play, possibly. And maybe that 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 diamond in the rough could come late in the draft. Or then or maybe you look top half of the second round if you've hit on your guys. There's a Kentucky connection possibly there in Isaiah Jackson. Jeremiah Robinson Earl out of Villanova is somebody to watch there as well. Some have the Knicks taking Charles Bassey out of Western Kentucky, who can play the power forward or the center position. You know, if you're if, if maybe if you're thinking of parting ways with Nerlens Noel, but you want to still have him have some competition, maybe a Bassey, a Robinson Earl, or a Jackson come into play there in the second round. Those are the kind of things that 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 could be interesting to watch when it comes to the Knicks on draft night. But I'll say this, it's great to see the Knicks not in the lottery. It's great to have watched the highlights of the lottery and not even worried about the Knicks. It was a beautiful thing. And now we'll see what the Knicks do on draft night and obviously moving forward with these things in free agency and with trades as well. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Next week, we'll talk plenty more NBA draft. We will talk NBA finals as well and any of the other news around the Knicks or the NBA that pops up. Until then, have a great week, and I will see you guys next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.